again, baby. Ooh. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome back, you guys. Welcome to 2021. Oh, you look so good. I know. We still, we here, we out of the deaf year. And this is Lights, Camera, Cocktails. And I am the chain-smoking, gun-toting, taxi-driving, bitch-slapping, Zenobia. <laughs> Zenobia. I don't know. What, I don't know. Is that all? That's pretty. That's That was a pretty all That's one. perfect. That's, yeah. yeah. You got it all in. I'm your uh, wild galaxy, intergalactic sass, all up and down, dressed to the nines, Lenny. She's perfect. I am perfect. <laughs> And here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, cocktails we, we pair amazing cocktails with, <laughs> you got me, amazing, amazing movies. movies. And tonight is no different, y'all. No, oh my God, no. I'm really excited about tonight. Whoop, whoop. Happy first podcast of the new year. I'm just like so stoked about this. So this month, we decided to start off the new year to just go full out. No, no expectations, no themes. We just wanted to pick some really good, solid, fun movies for you. Uh, movies that we haven't been able to see on the list because of themes and stuff. So yeah. we wanted to pop them in here this time around for the month of January. Yeah, we got a free month going on here, which means that anything can happen. And Miss Lenny picked our first movie for I did. the year. I s- for the year, which I was so excited. I was like, let's bust in with something radical. Let's get crazy. And I decided to do... A classic to me. I grew up watching this movie, The Fifth Element. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie starring our beautiful uh, Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich, uh, directed by our man Luke Besson. It's a foreign film, and I'm really excited to drink this movie with you. Yeah, me too, me too. Tonight in front of us, we are cheersing with what I like to call the multi-pass martinis. Lilu Dallas multi-pass. Because Lilu Dallas multi-pass. Multi-pass. Pass, yes. Multi-pass. Multi-pass, you know this multi-pass. Lilu Dallas, my wife, we're newlywed. Just met, you know how it is, bumping to each other, sparks happen. Yeah, she knows it's a multi-pass. Yeah, anyway, we're in love. Anyways, we're in love. We're in love. (laughs) So that's what we're drinking tonight. It's two ounces of, I used Botanist gin. It's my favorite gin out there. Put that in your shaker. Throw in an ounce of what we made is a tangerine blood orange syrup. It's just sugar and the juices so we can make the really special color of Lilu's hair. Mm -hmm. And then half an ounce of lemon juice. Shake it on up. Strain it into your martini glass, which I got one for tonight. She did. It's the last one left in Florida. She got it. The last one. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) And then I took a stick of rosemary. Go ahead and just take a lighter. Burn the rosemary over your drink. Really get it like nice and uh, aromic. And then just throw it straight in to do a garnish right on top of your cocktail. That way the flavors will go into the drink itself. But also you hit it. You hit those rosemary notes as soon as you put your nose up to the glass. Yeah. On your nose. So cheers, the multi-pass martini. Cheers. Cheers, my dear. Cheers. Yeah? I I like this. I like how it's tart. Yeah, and you know, I'm not the biggest gin fan. I think because doing the show, me and Jason found that gin made us crazy. So this episode <laughs> is going to be interesting for me because 
Jen makes it hard for me to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, a little challenge today. It does something with my brains. I don't know. (laughs) I like it. But I I like this. This tastes good. That is a thing is that gin is so, it's hard because it's it's not as sweet it's it's not as smooth it's got like that earthy tone to it mm-hmm. so to blend it with something else and not make it so I don't know it's it's hard to use like a bitter I don't want to say bitter because I I worry that people think gin is too bitter but I think with the citrus it really made it brighten up which I like yeah the citrus. And that rosemary, it really helped. I know when I talked yeah. to my dad about putting rosemary in it, he was just like, that sounds weird. And I was like, no, it's, it's not. It's good for cocktails. It adds this like whole another element to it. And it's like having a tree in your fucking drink. <laughs> I know. And and, <laughs> and what, I, what I really, truly love and um, just going into a little bit of herstory. Yes. Ah. Of this cocktail specifically, I chose the gin, the botanist. It's it's my favorite gin of all time. I think it has a really smooth, bright, uh, and not so like earthy tone to it. I think it has a really clear essence. And that's why I chose it specifically for this cocktail too, because I wanted to introduce you to the botanist gin. So it's from the Isla Island. It's a Scottish island. Okay. Do you see all the lettering? Oh, wow. What is the lettering? Yeah, it's just, it has all of the ingredients making the gin. Yeah, it's just so cool. It has just all these writings all over it. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's so, it's so amazing. Yeah, I did not go to like a huge liquor store today. I only went to the grocery store, so they yeah. did not have it. And I know that you guys, some of you guys will not be able to make this drink at this moment because blood orange is not in season everywhere. Um, I did have a it, small little trouble finding some and I did find it and it was very, there was not that many. I even called, love. yeah, I called our, our whole city is, was known for having the most oranges in California. At one point uh-huh. we were rich for that. And I called our Gless Ranch, which is the people that own all of the orange groves around us. And they're like, nah, girl, we won't get ours until February. Yeah. They're not done growing until February, at least here. So I happen to find some. I know that this might be a little tough for some of you guys, but once you find some blood orange, I'd say go ahead and make this real quick because it is totally worth it. It is. It's totally, I think it's totally worth it. Mm. I will, blood orange is my favorite citrus besides star fruit. Yeah. Ugh, I love it. I know. And it's crazy because I, the, the blood oranges I got were from California. <laughs> Just my, <laughs> my orange groves here. They weren't, they didn't have it. They must I went to Sprouts. I called around. I was like, who has them? Because I'm not driving all over this damn place. All the organic stores out here. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, the spotnish gin, uh, it's so good. It has like a, a very delicate balance of the berries that they use. They use nine different berries. They put actual bark from the bush itself, seeds, and all a bunch of different citrus peels in order to get this perfect blend of dry gin that has like, they call it a very rare expression of the heart and soul of the island that it comes from, Scottish oh, Island. How much was their bottle? I know. 40 bucks. Oh, okay. It really wasn't that bad. Like, it's for gin, I really don't, I, and I just like it. I just like how bright, how smooth, and it still has all the earthy tones to it, but it still has just, like, bright, clean, clear finish. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. That's what's up. 
um, Merle. And that's a little bit of her story on the botanist gin that I'm drinking tonight. <laughs> that we're drinking tonight. That we're drinking tonight because I'm going to buy some. <laughs> I mean, I know. I should have. I, mean, I should have went out and scoured for it. I am so sorry for not. No, 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 no. Please, doing please, my please, part. Please. <laughs> I know. I and it come. It, we're all. It's extraordinary times, and it, it tastes good regardless of the gin. For yeah. sure. Like, yeah. But botanist is what I'm going for today. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready for. The motherfucking drinking, drinking game. game. Yes, yes sir. sir. All right. So, are you ready? I was born ready. I I made this. <laughs> I would. I am ready. <laughs> She's ready, baby. Let's do it. I already feel the gin kicking in. This is already going to be some night. <laughs> I know we are going to have so much fun. I'm, I I just a good gin night. Girls with cock. Also, their cocktails classes. I really feel like I could just. And this sci-fi film is making me feel like I could just, like, hologram in. I'm going to pretend we're a hologram for the rest of the night. Oh, my God. Like, Star Wars, the shit out of it. Like, I really wish yeah. that we could have, like, a hologram that I could just see holding my palm of you holding a cocktail. That'd be so cute. Okay, wait. We're doing that. <laughs> Let's get weird. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Get back in. All right. So, you going to take a samp. When a gun is pointed at someone's head. Jesus. Yeah. So it's like, okay, one of my favorites, one of my favorite scenes in the movie where Corbin opens the door to leave and the guy's standing there. He's like, give me all the cash. Give me the cash. The little fucking crackhead. Future crackheads are smart as fuck, pretty much. Like, they're pretty smart. He had his little hat. And that's a. A perfect image of a what it looks like. Looks like in the hallway. He's like, yeah. nice hat. And he's like, yeah, you like it? Very nice hat. You like it? You like it? <laughs> he's just like, so, I, I fucking love it. Yep. Uh, that's because a that's, a dub, that's a double one because he's pointing at Coben. Coben is pointing at the fucking crackhead. Yep. <laughs> he's like, you don't need oh. this. No, I don't need it. No. <laughs> Yeah. I love it when uh, Corbin Dallas walks in to negotiate and he points the gun at the guy's head and he just shoots it. He's like, where'd he he learn to negotiate like she that? Like that. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. <Yeah. laughs> He's like, you got to kill yeah. the leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even uh, Lilu, when she wakes up, when he tries to kiss her, oh, all right. creepy like. You're right. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I, it was wrong to kiss you. But then wake you up gently. You're right. You're right. Yeah. What is not? Ah. Not without my permission. Like, I figured. Yeah. It's that about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She said she was saying a lot of things. I didn't. I really understand it. Well, I didn't understand any of any it. Of it. <laughs> what does? Any of it. <laughs> this is also when Ruby. Is holding the gun to the guy's head, and he's like, oh, I, don't, I don't like this man. I don't like the way this feels, man. Ruby, hold this gun. What? Hold this gun. What, 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 what do you want me to do? Come on, put your hand on it. Oh put your hand on it. Got it? Hold it. What, what would I do? If you move, squeeze the trigger. I don't feel right. I don't feel right, Kobe. And then he, like, <laughs> accidentally shoots him. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, my man. My man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. When he's holding him hostage, he's just like, just like, shh, shh, shh. oh, Ruby. Yeah. So anytime someone points a gun at someone's head, 
You gonna take a simp. Take a simp. You gonna take a simp when Coben Dallas is said, Kobe, Kobe, my man. Corbin Dallas. Corbin, sweetheart. Corbin Dallas. Mr. Dallas? I am Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Corbin. Oh my God, Corbin, Corbin, Corbin. Another one coming, Corbin. Corbin, I thought we should go, Corbin. Corbin. Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas is in trouble. Corbin Dallas, you want a trip to Floss in Ooh, paradise. in paradise. <laughs> they've been, been shouting your name on the radio for the last 30 minutes. You better minutes. take me, okay? She was so, oh my God. We'll get, we'll get. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so they say his name a lot. He says his name, like when he's introducing himself. He's like, yeah. I'm Coben, and you are, what's short? She's like, short. Lilu. He's like, there we go. Boom. There it is. Lilu. Corbin. Mm -hmm. Corbin. Lilu. Yes. So anytime you hear his name, it doesn't have to be the full name. It could be either one of those, and you will take a sip. Take a sip. You're going to take a sip when Lilu learns something new. So this is like her speed going through the internet and learning everything real quick. Learning our history. The last 5,000 years that she's missed. Been asleep for quite a while, you know. This is her putting so the cool. makeup mask on and it puts oh, all I her makeup. That. She's like, what the fuck? Like, what you know? <laughs> yeah. Anytime. I wish she realized that all we do is do war and kill. Oh, that's, that's it's such, that's so terrible to watch her face when she's making that discovery, too. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. You're like, no, I get it. Like, I feel you. I'm, I feel I'm there. You. Yeah, because once uh, you get to about like junior high and high school, you start realizing that this, <laughs> the world's shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you start looking at history and you're like, this is shit. Yeah, so anytime that she learns something new, you go ahead and take a simp. Take a simp. I like that. Mm, you go and take a simp when someone says the stones. The guardians gave the stones to someone that they could trust. Fifth element. I don't just bring me no stones. A chase with four stones in it. The one or two or three, but four, four stones. <laughs> well, that was a good. That was a good one. You know? I tried. He's like, "Where's the stones?" She's like, "Oh, some of they don't have them. I know where they yeah, are." Yeah. He's like, yeah. "Wait, they're not there?" Mm -hmm. She's like, "Yeah. You think we're that dumb? Come on." <laughs> I love the editing on that though too. When they're telling the story, I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. you gonna take a simp when Lilu speaks the divine language. Oh my God, the beautiful and the divine. Yes, he's like, what? Is, All right. The banaleto minki dun de no manaide o kino lo tu nativa yaknan kuvu. Wow. Oh, she's so cute. Yes, and it is only her that speaks it. No one ever really speaks. It. I mean, I guess when he repeats the line back to the priest, I'll even give you that because he is speaking the divine. Yeah, the priest can decipher what. But she's he never saying. speaks it back to her. He doesn't. He never actually talks. Speaks back to her, which is kind of interesting. Okay, so anytime there's like where she's like comes to and she's like, "Hey, hello, what's I going know. on out there? <laughs> Why am I? I thought I died. I where am I? Like, I don't know what she's saying. Somebody I can't explain something. But that is just kind of what I think. Keep if they knew they were going to do this, I, I always had this like open. I, there were just too many holes to this movie for us to discuss. Never mind. I, okay. <laughs> so anytime there is divine language being spoke, you go ahead and take a sip. 
You gonna take a simp when someone says Zarg. Mr. Zarg's office. Mr. Zarg's office. I know. I love her when she's just like painting the nails. With the, the nails. Oh, when does that going happen? I know, exactly. That was when, if all future, futuristic films that I really wish that we could have, one, spaceships, obviously, but two, that little machine. I would just like love to have that little machine. Yeah. Please. That would be so great. You told me to not disturb you unless it was Mr. Shadow. I know, you don't want to be disturbed except if it's Mr. Shadow. And it's Mr. Mr. Shadow on the line. <laughs> He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. Find out. Yeah, so anytime they say his awful name. Oh, God. We're going to take a sip. Take a sip. And realize that he is the bad guy in this movie, and him and Bruce Willis never share. A moment. They never share. Isn't that crazy? And there's I not discovered even... that. There's not even, like, a battle. There's no, nothing that he put into motion to, like, it's all circumstantial things that happened mm-hmm. that made it that he doesn't make it. Like, it's so weird. It's so strange. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll get That's into that. crazy. That's just, I, I love it. I love it, though. I really do love that kind of. Equal. It's like unheard of. <laughs> I know. You really, they, the hero and the villain actually never s- square off. And the thing is, is that, like, I didn't think about it till this week when I actually had to think about this movie like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, I went like my whole life not really realizing that, there, that this didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So weird. <laughs> so weird. So you gonna take a simp when they talk about license points how many points you got on your license so tell me how many points you got left on your license major how many points at least 50 <laughs> uh, more than 50 and he's like yeah you can't lie to me yeah right oh. or every oh, time he gets God. in every time he gets in the cab and she's like you have one point has been removed from yes, your license I know. two points left. left on your license he's like i know i <laughs> Oh, and then he rips her out, and that's like jamming the system. They're like, that means he's a car thief. Yeah, it means that he only had one fucking... Look, I would have turned her in because I feel like I'd been able to talk to the cops and be like, can you get me my points back? Like, I literally yeah. only have one left. <laughs> and what happens when you're out of points? Like, what does that mean? Like, you can never drive again? I guess so. Maybe you're like a suspended. Like, you have to put a hold on your license until you can build up. You have to take those classes, you know, those stupid classes to get points off your license. He is a bad driver then because yeah, on this day, none of the things was really his fault, but he, before that, before he that. was a bad, he's kind of been a bad driver. <laughs> I don't even know how many points you get, but 50 can't be that much. <laughs> and he definitely didn't even have 50. He had like six. And I love Finger. Finger is my one of my favorite characters, and you never see him. He only is like he has a small part in the beginning, but I love Finger. He's he's one of my he's amazing. And wait, fun fact: that's actually uh, Vin Diesel's voice. Fine, what fine? I know you, Dallas. Fine in your vocabulary. And come on, he can tell your old buddy Finger what happened. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And he's not yep. even credited, but like uncredited. he's so cool. Yep. That's finger, baby. Oh, I love it. Yeah, he does so, a, a great job. I fucking love it. And when I found that up and I was like, oh shit, that was good. And now yeah. I hear it. Like once you hear it, you can't unhear it. So You can't unhear it. Okay. So you gonna take a simp when someone says green 
or super green. You guard this with your life or you're gonna look like this guy right here. You green? Green. Super green? Super green. You, you green? Super green. Was it green? Oh my God, so green. It was like super green. It was like super <laughs> like, green. Green like, like what? Oh, like green, like toxic green, like yeah. <laughs> I love his entourage. They are so like. I would love someone to be like that for me. <laughs> Just, like, I thought that was me. Yeah, I mean, we do it for each other always. Mm -hmm. But I love them. They're so cute. Super green. It was super green. Okay, girl. Super green. Are we green? We green? We green? Ooh, we green? We green? Super green. We green. Super green. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna take a sip when multipass is said. Lilu Dallas multipass. Of or course scene. you are. I'm gonna also throw scene in there because they show close-ups oh, of them a lot. Mm -hmm. They do. You get to really get see the multipass. Yeah. I love it. I love Everybody his with his mustache. <laughs> Yeah, he looks that all Corbin weird. Dallas. Yep. He has his mustache, his little beret. <laughs> <laughs> From being in special forces, you're like, oh my god. Multipass. Yep. Multipass. He knows it's multipass, okay? We're in love. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're in love. <laughs> That's <what it> <laughs> you're gonna take a simp when Corbin's mom calls. So anytime she calls, uh, she wants the fucking tickets to go. <laughs> I gave birth to you. You better not take anybody else but me. And you're like, he didn't even know what she was talking about. I know. I, I just got I just got fired. I crashed my cab. I, I was uh, robbed. I'm not having a really good day, okay? What are you, you talking just tell about? tell me what's going on. <laughs> you're all over the radio. <laughs> Oh, so you don't know you want a trip to Flossed in Paradise for two for ten days. And I suppose you're just going to leave me on the lunar surface to freeze my ass off. Oh, so you don't know you want a trip for Flossed in Paradise for two. <laughs> I wouldn't have brought her either. She would have got you killed, that crazy bitch. I love it when she calls him at the hotel. You miserable bastard. I never should have pushed you out. Huh? I was in labor for days and this is how you repay me? I should have just gotten a robot. <laughs> I like how she calls him. With, you miserable bastard. Yes. I gave birth to you for nine <laughs> hours. He's like, Doug, he barely got into his room and she already oh, was. Ma. She calls and yells at him when he's like being like detoxed and resting. And he yells, she yells at the president. <laughs> how are you going to yell at the president yeah. of the world? Oh my God, that's right. Of the world. She yells at they pass the phone away because he's like, I ain't got time for this crazy ass mama. Yeah. He's all trying to congratulate her and thank her for, you know, giving birth know. to a son that saved the world. Like, thank you. This is Dallas. This is the president. Thank oh, you. Please. It doesn't even sound like him. The president's an idiot. You don't sound like an idiot. Oh, you're you don't a fake. Even sound you like don't even the president sound like, sounds like an idiot. And you don't sound like an idiot. You're like, what the fuck? Okay. So she didn't he vote really for is. him. Yeah. <laughs> he really is the president. Of the world. Of the world. Of the world. Yeah, so anytime fucking Mama Dallas calls, because she cry cry. She is crazy, but like a crazy mom you want to have on your side. Yeah, she's like in Space Jersey somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she really is. Yelling at her son. It's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. She doesn't care that her son's life sucks. He lives in like a little locker 
And oh, I know these apartments so traumatizing. You can only expect the reason why he's in there is because of the divorce. Yeah, and she leaves him for the lawyer. But they took everything from him. But I mean, I don't know. That apartment did look like New York apartments, right? Just small, one window. <laughs> um, basically, yeah. It's pretty much everything that you need. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just out. You're out of there most of the days. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Except if you get your license suspended. I do like that they have like the little Thai boat come up to is like. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite part. Like that's something I would totally want for me to just like order food and they bring the little boat to your to your this, window to the sit, window you sit there like you're having a bar like i could bring the bar to my house like how that, cool would that be how cool would that be oh i would love that life could you see me with my little spaceship boat coming up and like i'll cook you dinner tonight girl you know i'm your sous chef we have a, a boat party mm-hmm. or I'll, I'll be the bartender and you're the the, the cook oh i like that there we go I'm on drink number two. Here we go. I'm going to light my rosemary. Okay. Well, I'm going to finish off this drink, finish off this game, and then make another drink. So Sounds good. You're going to finish your drink when Lilu meets Corbin. So when she falls oh. from the heavens into his cab and fucks all that shit up, he almost crashes, loses all his goddamn points. Sorry. You just had an accident. Yes, I know I just had an accident, you daffy bastard. I love the line when the priest goes, all right, well, you should go. She's had a very long journey. He's like, but now the girl needs some rest because she's been on a long trip. Yes, I know. I was there when she landed. There when she landed. When she landed <laughs> in my cap. In my cap. <laughs> yes. So when they first meet, you gonna finish your drink. Like, all right. I think that's a good point to ch- have it chugged back for another one. So you're going to finish your drink when Corbin meets Ruby Rod. So when he gets onto the, I don't know what is it, a plane, train, spaceship, whatever takes them to to paradise. It's definitely like a plane spaceship, like a jet. I feel like like that, yeah. rocket jet. But they have like little bed things, kind of like trains. I don't know. It's a plane. It's a rocket. I don't know. It's just a mixture of shit. It looks comfortable, too, the way that he just slides in, and then they just put this, like, the sleep potion on, so, like, they just pass out. I don't know how Lulu was immune to it. (laughs) He's just gone. I wish that they could, I wish I could do that to myself in my room, just push it and go to sleep. Exactly. Undisturbed. So, yeah, so when he goes and he meets him on the transportation... And he only gives him, like, one question. He's like, how does it feel? And he's like, so tell me, my man. You nervous in the service? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Just one word, dude. Yep. There was no nothing, no pop, no. (laughs) I know, he was so pissed once he's like, all right, and cut. What the fuck? So to, well, my favorite is, so tomorrow from five to seven, can you please have more than a two-word vocabulary? Remember? <laughs> and then he just shoves it. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I love Ruby. He's the best. Ruby is amazing. Ruby is one of my favorite parts of this movie. Well, the whole movie is just so great. Yeah, but he is one of my favorite parts, but yes. Yeah. So you're going to finish your drink when they unlock the stones. So when they, <gasps> when he blows on it, 
When Wind he, blows. When he takes his sweat, which I would have just spit. I don't know how he has enough sweat to like be able to. I've never. I know, right? Even when I sweat a lot, I can't wring my shirt out. That's weird. Anyway, <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> I would have just and like spit on yeah. it. But hey. It worked. And when Ruby doesn't have any fire. Come on, my man. Come on, my man. I have no fire. Come on, my man. I have no fire. I, mean, I have no matches. I see nothing matches. I have no matches. I, I, I saw smoking. If I knew, I mean, father, you smoke. We need some matches. Matches. We need some fire. We're gonna die. I don't have any matches. I saw smoking. If I known, I mean, father, you smoke. Do you smoke? We're gonna die. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And when they dirt the th- dirt on uh, it, you're gonna uh, finish your drink. Finish the drink. So, do you have anything to add to the drink again? Um, no, actually. Honestly, I think you hit all the all the good marks. I do think I did. If there was anything, I would add one more. Okay. It would be take a sip every time someone says Ruby's name. Because they oh. say his name a lot. They're like, oh, I love him. Don't you love him? Like, everybody keeps saying that to him. And he's just like, Mr. Ruby Rod is the biggest for him starting out. It's a great honor to be on his talk show. So, yes, I would add that a lot. Oh, wait, did you... Did you add a one that was take a drink when Corbin finally gets the stones out of the diva? No. Do you do you want to drink? Yeah, that? I definitely want to drink for that because that's such a big. It's so sad because the diva sacrifices herself for these stones. She she makes the ultimate sacrifice, she does. and so with that, I think definitely deserves a, a drink. I like that. Thank you, diva. Yeah, and that gives us a nice because we don't really have a diva drink sip did we we don't you're you're right i'm sorry i no, forgot don't i forgot all about her she's she's gorgeous well that is the motherfucking drinking, drinking game, game. yes thank you for that i have to say i was sipping on it just with that game a little bit with my parents because that's I, usually what happens if I'm with somebody and like I, they're just like, oh, what are you drinking tonight? Of course, they're going to want to start drinking the cocktail. And then they're like, what is this in regards to? And then Zenobia was kind enough to give me the the rules, I a did. couple of them. So I could watch them with my, my parents. They were having so much fun. See, that's what drinking games are for. They're so yeah. that you can have fun. You get to drink. You get to pay attention to a movie because you're really looking for these things. Mm-hmm. And it's just great. So, tanto. I love the way she talks. Oh, thank you. I know. I love this part, too, because no offense, as, a, as someone who loves to cook, but, like, it's so, it's a lot of time to cook, you know, a great meal. In the future, they have these, like, molecular matter enhancers. I don't know. All she does is take a jar and shakes it, and then a big chicken pops out. Chicken. <laughs> I love it. Chicken good. I just want to try that one day. I just really want to have my own... Like, molecular machine. One day, girl. One day. The future will be real. The future is now. All right. Are you ready? <gasps> Give me those steps, steps, steps. I love those steps. Steps, steps. Step me up, step me up, step me up. Ow, ow. Step me up, step me up. <laughs> I just hit my head with a shaker, you guys. I'm such a dumbass. <laughs> Jen. Oh, this is why I don't put it in the show that often, because... I don't think I'd be able to get shit done. I just hit myself Uh-oh. in the ear like fucking Fight Club with a shaker and some shit. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's not good. 
So, or Tyler comes out when Jen comes around. Jen comes around. All right. So, are you ready for the stats? Give me those stats. I'm so excited. All right. So, this movie dropped May 9th, 1997, baby. Ooh, not bad, not bad. That's a good year. That's a good year. Yeah. It was a big deal when this movie came out. I was obsessed. Did you go to the movie like... to go see this? I went to the movies to go see it. I was talking to my brother, and he, he said that my dad took us. I don't remember going, but I, I could see that I went to go see it. I do remember watching it on TV a lot during the, like, 98 and 99, when it was, like, on TBS and shit all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. And all well, 1997 was a big year because my sister worked at the movie theater, and that was, like, the year of Titanic. So, like, I was going nonstop to the theater, and this is one of them that I just nonstop was going to the theater to see. Oh, you look so good with a martini. I'm serious. I think the martini just gives you kind of a, a style. It just makes you a little more well, dangerous, classy. Okay. Yeah, you look so beautiful. You too. So, Bang. so 1997, good year. Good, good year. year. The budget for this movie was $93 million. Wow. And yeah, translate that into twenty twenty one money. That would be a hundred and fifty million dollars. Oh my god. To make this movie. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, if you just think about it in that sense, you're like, wow, you y'all but I mean it makes sense for all of the fucking shit that they did. For Honestly, this movie. yeah, no, I can I can definitely see that for sure. It's not just digital, it's special effects. There's a lot of production that goes yeah. into this film. Mm-hmm. So it made Two hundred and sixty-three million dollars, which translated in today's wow. money would be like four hundred and twenty-six million dollars, like what it would make today. So it whoa, it made whoa, a lot whoa. of money. It took a lot of money to make this movie, but it made a shit ton of money. It did. <laughs> it like it did really well. It did really really well. So I didn't think it did. To be honest with you, I don't think I ever thought about it. I kind of thought that it was, like, it took a lot of money to make it, but didn't make a lot of money. I don't know why. I don't know why. But it. Yeah. I am completely wrong. <laughs> but that is worldwide, by the way, which I always give the worldwide. Well, because it's, it's not an American film. It's, it's a not, foreign film. Right. Yeah. It's surprising because it must have done so. It was. It was the first screening of Cannes. It was. Uh, cons. Is it Cannes? I call it cans. I call it cans. But I know in some fans call opened, it cans. Film festival. It opened it up, and it was. I mean, I thought it was a great choice. So it was. A, it's a super divine. I think it's visually. It's one of my favorite favorites to just look at because it's just so stimulating. stimulating. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so. It just so. Uh, I mean, we're gonna get into it, but Jean Paul Gaultier and those costumes, and I just. Girl. Okay. I want to live in that future retro world. Anyway, sorry, we're getting. I'm sorry. Yes, we we will live in that future world maybe one day. <laughs> I'm just decided maybe I should just start living that future world. Okay, I'm gonna start I'm gonna dressing start like just Ruby. Dressing then. for the future. Yeah. Ooh, do it. Like the rose little collar thing. Ooh. <laughs> that would make sense for you too because like you are just like you are Prince. You, are the, you have it. You have the essence of Prince uh, for me always. You would be Ruby. Who would I be if I had to be a character? You're Lilu. You'd be weird. You'd run around naked. Your hair would be orange. I would, uh, I would just like, ooh, where are we? Oh yeah, 
Rotten Tomatoes. Give me those Rotten Tomatoes. Those stinky-ass tomato critics. Critics. 70%. I knew it. I knew they weren't going to be able to handle it. Audience. 86%. Okay. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I do think that the critics are underrating it. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a complete underappreciation that this film actually is. But the ZZ Fresh is 95. I think it's awesome. I think that the visual effects still uh, hold up pretty good. Not too bad. Like, you don't look at it and be like, oh, those are strings. Like, you look at it and you're like, wow, this, still, this looks pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, I would, Lenny's Us, 95 too. The, the, the 5% is just, you know, just little me where I want, like, holes to be picked up or, like, things to be more explained. I want to know more about this amazing world that Luc Besson. I mean, 95 is a great number to give this movie all around. The things that I would say that would take away the 5% would be, like, stuff that he couldn't foresee to be a problem. Like, he's like, I looked you up in the phone book, and this is where it said. We haven't used phone books, like... We don't use phone books. You know? <laughs> exactly. Just like small things like that. Looking at like technology and there's still big ass screens that are like thick instead of like, but these things is something that he could never have dreamed of. Like he couldn't have known that we no, were going to exactly. do that. But he did get that like McDonald's is going to be around for fucking forever. I'm sure that's right. Uh, yeah. He's only missing Starbucks get... right next to each, every one of them. But <laughs> It's true. It's just the little things that he wasn't able to predict that would happen in the future. But it was a pretty good take on the futuristic tale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I definitely see it. That is the stats. I love those stats. So this movie, I feel like the reason why it feels kind of the way it does, mm-hmm. where we don't get the battle scene probably that we thought of, is because this movie was supposed to be a trilogy. Oh, that's pretty cool. So we were really? supposed to, yeah, we were supposed to have a trilogy of this, which I feel like we would have made Zarg probably last longer, like he ended up getting off of the ship and, you know, mm. we're still chasing and blah, like they would have prolonged it to we would have had like a very good showdown of or something, but they end up doing is combining all three of them into this. Okay. I guess it made it, I mean, it it still is a completed story. It totally is, yes. But I kind of wish we would have had the trilogy. I know, we would have gotten so many more insights to the characters, maybe a little more storyline and whatnot. This is this futuristic world, man. Right? That's one of my biggest uh, things about it, is that I don't get enough full story effect from the film itself like you can tell that he goes really deep into what he was writing to create this world and you just don't get too much exposure like i would love to know more about what happens to the mongolors yeah like what happened like why what did the federation do to them that like made their people scattered to the galaxy like that just is such a terrible imagery when he says that and i'm like wait what happened to these people like yeah (laughs) and i want to know i want to know so many uh, so many more things that's true that's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to know more about Ruby's life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to know. I want to know how he got to be this big, you know, what is he really like when he's not saving the world and on the radio? Like, what's up? <laughs> I, I know. I, I kind of want to see, like, a, a film of him. Like, of he Joe should have his own, I know. of his own film. Um, I mean, 
Besson hasn't put, like, I think he was quoted in a magazine saying that he would be more than happy to do a sequel. So that would be really cool. Especially with everything that he, you got to see him do with Valerian. Yeah. I'd love to see him move that over to, like, what he would see the fifth element now, even more into the future. Now that we, now that we are in the future from 1997 yeah. to now. Well, let's talk about Luc Besson. Besson. I learned so much about this man this week that I am like giddy with information. So Luc Besson, he spent the first years of his life, like childhood, with his parents who were scuba divers and they traveled the world scuba diving and exploring shit for the like first part of his life. So he lived entirely aquatic. So he was like on a boat all the time or whatever. So he was very isolated from the world, other kids. He didn't really have people to like play with and hang out with. So he spent his time writing stories. Like oh a lot of people God. do, like Tim Burton did when you feel like, you know, you don't have anybody to connect with or you physically don't have anybody because you're on a fucking boat with your parents scuba diving all the goddamn time. You make up these whole different worlds, which he did. And so when he was 16, he he did his first draft of The Fifth Element. So we're seeing oh the God. story, like the idea of a 16 year old, <laughs> what he thought of. Yeah. What? That's awesome. It's like, you know, you look at it now, you're like, wow. Okay, yeah, I see, perfect. like, 16-year-old. I totally see it. Well, because I, I, I see a lot of, because uh, it just gives you, it's like, it's so strongly influenced by comic book, you can see it. Yeah. And that was during, he, when he was a teenager, that was, like, really a big deal, too. Like, comic books were the shit, and everybody was into it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God, I can totally see this coming from the, the young... Back Besson. Besson. Well, yeah. So he wrote this when his first draft when he was 16. And this mm-hmm. movie didn't get released till he was 38, y'all. So, you know, if you can dream it, just stick with it. Because, you know, it might pan out to be a fifth element. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Luke planned on being a marine biologist specializing in dolphins until he had like a diving accident that prevented him from continuing on that path. So by the time he was 17, he could no longer scuba dive. And it kind of put his whole future in disarray because he didn't know what to do after that. Because basically, he was going to school to do what he's always wanted to do. Like, what he's always done with his parents. Like, so Mm -hmm. he couldn't even do anymore. He couldn't even fathom of doing anything else pretty much besides that. So when he was 18, he moved back to Paris, uh, France, where he was born and where his parents are from. And Mm -hmm. he got into the urban lifestyle meaning that he got to be around a lot of different people and getting to see tv and movies as a whole for the first time pretty much and he just was like oh my god this is where i need to like put my focus my stories this is what my stories need to be they need to be these so he found like Mm -hmm. odd jobs on films and that's kind of how he got his foot in the door hell yeah yeah so he 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 just all of his work is so passionate. You can tell him how passionate he is as a filmmaker. Yeah. All I kept hearing from the actors in this movie is that he is a good salesman. He can sell you the Eiffel Tower. He can convince you to do Ooh. anything. Like, he'd be like a good cult leader because he could just convince people to <laughs> jump off a building or oh my you know, God. wear some, you know, very feminine clothing. You know, it's just he can kind of convince any of these people to do 
almost anything. And I thought that was, like, pretty crazy to hear. They were like, yeah, I don't know how he got me to, like, jump off a building, but he did. Like, I don't know how he got me to put on all this makeup, but he did. He was just a very hands-on director. He also is one of those directors that stands right next to the camera. So that, like... Oh, really? Yeah, he's one of those who just, like, is next to the camera and, you know... He'll say something off screen and want you to continue on without really noticing him. He'll be like, okay, keep going. Kiss her. Or whatever, you know, he, he might say. And I don't know. I appreciate a director who is extremely hands-on and you're not in the background screaming to me to, like, cut, do it again, do it more like this. Or, like, on other sets I've been on where it's more of I feel like I have the relationship and conversation with the set and photographer more than the director because they're the ones who are like, okay, well, you know, that was good, but how about you do it like this maybe because, you know, I could get you filmed better. I, I'd rather have a director in there with his face next to the camera knowing that he's getting everything that he wants and he can feel it than a director who's like chilling in the background. That's just personally me. Mm-hmm. And he seems like that. I mean, he's done movies that... I mean, he's done some great-ass movies. I mean, The yeah. Professional is... The Professional is just, hands down, one of my, like, favorite films he's ever done. Like, I love that movie. Yeah. So It's such a good film. It's such a good film. Well, I did read that he had to make The Professional first in order to make The Fifth Element. Huh. I can see that. I mean, it probably showed more... Like, it, it's, it's such a well... Oh, it's so well filmed. And yes, it's so, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. I think just for them to see him make a beautiful masterpiece like that, and probably he did, I mean, he full marks. They uh, were like, yes, yes, give him the money for the fifth element. Like, just yeah. let him have it. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you were mentioning his history and his background, and it made me think, like, he did that movie, The Big Blue. Yeah. And it totally is based on, like, these people live in Greece and they, they work on a boat and they're scuba diving. And, like, that's just completely influential from his life because you – that's amazing. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's so inspiring to just be honest with who you are and what stories you want to tell. Mm-hmm. I like that about him. Yeah. That one definitely is probably a lot of what his life was like. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, someone really, has to live through that to, like, really be able to... Because it is very beautifully shot. Uh, the yeah. Big, I haven't watched it in a very long time, but, yeah. Really long time. From what I remember, it was beautifully shot. I will say, uh, I was... I really liked Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Did you see it? Uh, no. I really liked it. Uh, it was a really interesting story. kind of gave just, like, a, a, a beautiful work towards a better a better world but it's like it's it's just chaotic and so insane as well and i feel like if he had been able to do the fifth element with the special effects that he has now oh my god it would have been like mind-blowing yeah yeah but i like how it is of course oh my god there's the costumes for the flight attendants i love the Oh my god, I love all the flight attendants. They all play such an important role for me. Like, as a collective, as, like, a one group. I just love all of them. Luke. Luke Besson. He likes to do something in all of his movies. He likes to have taxi drivers. And he likes to kind of make them heroes, too, as well. But the majority of his movies will have a taxi driver, taxi cab in his movie. To the fact that his dad used to be a cab driver and worked it so that he could help pay for Luke to graduate from art school. So I think that he does that as an homage to his dad saying, hey, 
Thank you. You got me here. It's like me. I would have mailmans in like all of my shit because my dad was a mailman for a million years. I'd be like, yeah, there's always a mailman. He delivered the baby. He stopped a bomb or something. <laughs> you know, I would have, I would write one in there. I'd see that. That's right? really cool. I didn't realize that there was a reoccurring theme. Yeah. So next time you see his movies. I'm going to keep my eye out for that. That's okay. really cool. The last big movie that he made was Lucy. I don't know if you saw it and how you felt about it. I did not see. That's with Scarlett Johansson, correct? I did correct. not see that film. I did it. How? What? Did you see it? I hadn't I seen it. It was. I. How, what did? You, it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't. I wouldn't watch what it is, again. Nothing okay. to write home about. No he wrote that one as it. well. Yeah, he did write that one. I as well. I feel like he so. writes most of his uh, scripts. If he doesn't mm-hmm. write the entire thing, he does write the screenplay for them. Which I appreciate. His dialogue is very good and witty and fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right, so let's let's keep this going because I'm feeling this gin. Okay, totally want to just touch base on like a couple of things about the special effects and actual production of the movie. Just want to throw these like quick ones out there really quick. So this was cinematography by Terry Obagust and uh, the production designers Dan Well. They did an amazing job with the budget that they had. And during that time, like this was the most advanced special effects were at that time. But then right afterwards, there was a huge boom in the tech world. Everything got way more enhanced. There was like a huge breakthrough. But they originally had done most of this with digital domain special effects. They were, that was, digital domain was the house that they did a lot of their effects out of. Um, So Besson really wanted to have most of his action shots completely in broad daylight because he really felt like most of the sci-fi that you had seen up until then had like been really super dark and shadowy and like there was just bright neons here and there so when he was making that sci-fi I went like yeah what I really love about like his sci-fi is that he wanted everything to be all of the action sequences were bright and that was really challenging because then it added just so much more to what needed to be seen and done, like, digitally. But even during that time, like, dude, that New York scene is a complete, like, huge, made-up, miniature landscape. I did not realize that until I just saw a picture of someone standing in the set painting a little yeah. thing. And I was like... Just a little... I know. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. yeah, those things were like 20 feet tall. Most of the buildings were 20 feet tall. The the They were like 80 feet long to go for like the road road that was, uh, the sh- I mean, not like the, how the streets went far between yeah. each other because you really never see the road road. That's how no tall road. New York's, that's how tall New York City is now. It just kept on growing upward well, <laughs> or outward. Well, my theory is, is it's like a Wally situation because he says, We'll be safe once we make it into the fog, which I would think would be like the lower class where they put the druggy people and we Mm -hmm. fucked up down there so much that we have to go up and go above the fog to be able to like see and live. So yeah, Mm -hmm. like I bet LA is about the same way where we are all built up high (laughs) and we all have like these little cars and stuff like that. And it's also kind of like a nod to the Jetsons, who also built upward, upward. like that. Yeah, so yeah, I, I can see that. That was my theory. My theory is that we, you know, polluted too much, and we had to go up above the pollution to be able to uh, survive. So cool. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, no, it works. I, like, love it. It totally works. Dude, so not only were the New York buildings, but also uh, Flossed in Paradise. That's a ship that weighs, oh my god, this thing is massive. It weighs 500 pounds, the, the model. <laughs> a Flossed in Paradise. When they 
How cool is that? And a just model that at weighs it, more than like me and you combined. Like that makes yeah. zero sense. I know. <laughs> this thing is so big. Yeah, that's weird. It's, Dude, I know. It took the team 80 people and five months to build most of this model. Like, they were all just meticulously working on all of these really cool things. I don't know. And for the team to use those models and to add in the special effects during that time, it was, like, really exciting. But then, of course, it just, like, bounced up to some really cool stuff, like, a couple of years afterwards. Well, that makes sense, because Independence Day Mm -hmm. was around this time, and they were, like, the last movie to use set to use models so yeah oh my god they blew up the white house that's right yeah Mm -hmm. that's like a real model getting blown up that's right that's right that's right so yeah around 2097 is when they like fell off of using models for things yeah Um, so yeah technology just was like and just went up and changed on them And then there's just one last thing I want to talk about with this digital domain special effects house. That's And this is the last thing I want to bring up. So this is really cute. The flying traffic that's happening like all around all the artists, they had made personalized license plates for the cars. You can't really see them too distinctly, but like you can kind of see this like floating. It like floats out over the license plate. What do and you say? can like digitally. So one of the ones that they made is New York, the fuck you state. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I like yeah. that one. That's New York. Y'all need to change it to the fuck you state. <laughs> it. You can't really see it too, too clearly, but uh, that's what they reported saying. Like, and they were putting their names, like people were tagging, put their tags out there and stuff. I like it. Yeah. A little call out to the digital domain special effects team. They're pretty cool. Fun. I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to. Give a little shout out, a little shout out to our little production team and cinematography and all those fun guys. I got a fun, fun fact. Yes, give me a fun fact. This one's a little fun fact, but when you look out into the to space, and you see all those mini stars in the sky. All it is is black fabric being hung up with little holes punched in it with lights behind <laughs> it. That makes the sky in the background. So you too can <gasps> pretend you are in space. Oh, and they just backlit it. Yep. <gasps> that's genius. Yep. Ooh, that's so twinkly. We could do that. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, a little practical magic for you. Ooh, thank you. I like that. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to talk about clothes, or do you want to get into uh, our our leading lady, Mila Jovovich? Right, Ooh, I gotta make some... another drink. Okay, make your drink. But I say we talk about some clothing. The real star of the of the film for me, definitely. Is, is the costume designer? Is the costumes, the clothes, the clothes, my darling. I could wear these clothes every day for the rest of my life. You would if you had them. Okay, honestly, Corbin Dallas's first outfit, those pants and the orange vest. My favorite. Oh, look at him. He's so, oh, he's so, I love that style. So what I really love is Jean-Paul Gaultier. Like, he's got such a style. You recognize he's done so many films. Jean-Paul Gaultier, he has, like, that Yvonne Terrible look for his costumes. They're very standout-ish. They're very crazy. For me, 
I love the way that he pulled like the like the '90s, but still into the future, and then some things just were completely. He gave the aspect of like unearthliness in a lot of his wear as well, because there's so many different like creatures and so many different worlds and galaxies, and I feel like we get influences from all of that, but it still keeps into a like a specific collection that is the Fifth Element. That's the only way I can really explain it on Jin. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? I don't know. Do you feel the same way with Jen, or is it just me? I, I'm feeling it now. I don't know if it's because I'm influenced by what you said. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But I'm feeling it. I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling, I'm loving this. Okay, um, so this is what I think about with the costumes. I think that, yes, it did keep with the 90 themes in some aspect, but also tried to make it very futuristic. And I think that he was able to think outside of the box. I also think that he was able to see that in the future that our men would be dressing more feminine than yes. and portrayed more feminine than they were in previous decades being like the 90s on like before to where now like yes we have men who are wearing more form fitting things and more feminine clothes and colors and women are <laughs> Still just as attracted to them as they were when they were brutish men. Um, exactly. So, like, I, I like that that is something that he foresees. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to be, like, sexually and, and completely in love with someone like Ruby who I would wear that outfit and I would sleep with him. Like, it's, like, two things. Like, I want your outfit and I want to sleep with you. Like, Yeah, I'd sleep <laughs> with you and leave with your outfit the next morning. <laughs> Definitely. You'll see me walking down the street with the that. roses. Ruby would totally respect that. Like, that bitch stole my clothes. Like, he'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be the next story in, in Ruby's telecast. Yep. He'd be like, look Best out for this bitch. Best show ever did. Best show ever did. Best show ever did. So, so Jean-Claude Gutierre, he met Luke at a party for Madonna. They both yeah. had done things for Madonna. Luke, I believe he directed. I don't know what video he directed. So Jean is responsible for Madonna's cones. Like yes. that that was like the big thing that really put him, set him apart from like everything else and everyone else and just like blew him up. Well, I mean, um, he, yeah, she was his muse for the Met Gala. She went out there with her fucking mm-hmm. tatas and like, boom, changed everything. And it became her signature. I think, I feel like he, Luke directed one of her videos, but I don't know which one. Do you? I did not know that. Well, it says like she, I heard that he did some work for her. But then when I look on the IMDb, it says that he's part of her Madonna celebration, the video collection of 09. So I don't know what's in there or what he has directed. Love Profusion? Yeah, it was directed by him. Oh, there we go. So yeah, they they that's how they met. He loved what he was doing. That cone shape, I guess that would be futuristic, especially in that time period. So yeah, he was like, I love you. I need you. And he, he came and made all these awesome costumes. He also, when they were doing the um the concert scene, they had about like five hundred extras sitting all yeah. over there. And he was the gatekeeper who made sure that every extra was as futuristic as he wanted. And then he mm-hmm. would sign them up. All right, you could go. Go sit down. Nope, you yeah. need this. Go back over there. You know, and he made sure that everybody looked as fabulous as they did. 
So he did, he I is a big part of this movie. A huge part of this movie. He he completely engrossed himself, and that's why the costumes are my favorite. Like honestly, is my favorite character of this film because it makes everything for me, and. I just imagine because I heard a similar, I read a similar story about how he was in the airport, and everybody he had like all the extras. He he had final touches and props and costume and like he would like go around and like throw a collar on someone or and he was just meticulous about everything. They're like get out of the shot, and he's like no, and like was running around and just like fixing everything he could <laughs> <laughs> to make sure it was perfect. I mean, my, that's one of my favorite outfit pieces too. Is the uh, when she's wearing the see-through skirt and the <gasps> fishnetting is just like yes! with the little furry skirt. jacket. She's yes. bald. I love her. Yeah, she looks so cute. I would totally the rock look, her whole outfit. Ugh, that whole outfit was so cute. It just, everything had such a detail to it. And they had, what's fun is that I know that Besson has this like specific thing with color. Like he has, for all of his films, he chooses dominant dominant colors for each film to be in the movie. So, I mean, if I were to say, what do you think the dominant color in this film is? You would say? Orange. Orange. The orange is what he specifically wanted to make a big deal. There's always a piece of orange, not just with Lilu's hair, but like her clothes. It moves from Corbin's uh, shirt, Corbin's shirt to her little suspender cute outfit yep. that she's got going on. So it's that's like a huge thing. I mean, and it was for Valerian. It was the bright blue. That's what he really liked to have when um, he directed Valerian. There was there's just like and like brown obviously for the professional but with good but with Jean-Paul Gaultier like he has this infinite love of color so you were still able to get that prominent dominant color that Besson wanted but Gutierrez all painted all over that film with his his beautiful creations I also really love that specifically he was able to show that even in like 23rd century society that women would still be like visualized as these cute little beautiful dainty labor women like at mcdonald's like how is she ever gonna get anything done in that wig and the, i don't know and how are the two how are all the stewardess supposed to get shit done they sit over exactly. here looking all extra cute the exactly. little blonde bobs yeah i i <laughs> that is something that i'm not a big fan of is that you know we're all sexualized like oh yeah and it was something that kind of bugged me this week because not only in the movie do they sexualize, especially Lilu. You know, she's constantly taking her clothes off in front of people, and they're like, "Oh, she's yeah. perfect." And you know, every yeah. other girl we see is like barely wearing clothes or whatever. You know, so like it was hard. But then when I started like watching videos and interviews and things like, you know, for this movie, a lot of people use the sexuality for the women as like a punchline which irritated the shit out of me like i was watching a channel i'm not even going to mention it but a channel that i watch you know every week because a lot of the movies that we do do they've already you know discussed it and they you know it helps me think of other things and go down other avenues of where to look for information and mm -hmm. they just constantly just kept talking about her boobs and how they wanted to see them. Like, it was just so Ugh. uncomfortable that I was just like, I even let a note. I was like, stop the boob jokes. It's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> you're, if you're only making this for dudes, then fine. But if you're going to make this for the whole, understand that half of the people that listen to you are women and we're here loving this movie, but don't need to be like victimized and just by watching this. <laughs> exactly. Very Exactly. 
there's just so many and and it just it's there and i feel like there's underlining sinister tones about it it's one of my only pet peeves of it but the costumes are so fantastic that i'm like uh it at least it looks really cute i mean my excuse is that you make lilu such a badass and that the it's woman lilu and the diva and the I was about the Lilu is a badass and the diva is like smart and talented and just amazing and she also helped to save the world as well. So I do yeah. understand, but I would hope in the twenty third century we would get over this bullshit. I know, right? Since we're oh. gonna move on to our Miss Lilu, I did want to say that the divine language is a real language, and that, I love this that oh Luke and uh, my uh, they came up with this together so this language that they came up with the divine language has about 400 words and they could mm -hmm. speak to each other fluently in it that's why when she is talking it feels like she's really saying something even though to the audience we don't know what the fuck she's saying she's not saying mm -hmm. anything that makes any sense but she really does know what she's saying because her and luke sat down came up with these he came up with about you know 200 before they started then you know she came along and helped add on to some other ones they had full-on conversations together they would write each other letters that but was my favorite i read that they used to write each other letters as a director to actor and i was like that's really effing cool pretty cool <laughs> and i mean it leads to them having i'm sure because they fell in love and then were married actually for a few years after this film they was done were so okay before we go into that mm -hmm. the diva was played by Lucas's fiance at the time. I know this is crazy. That was crazy to me. I there was I didn't supposed to that, be honestly. some blonde model to play the diva, but she just like disappeared and no one knew where the fuck she was. And so he asked his fiance at the time if she would do it. She said yes, and <laughs> I guess she, <laughs> she said yes, and she took the part. And then seven months after this movie was released, they were no longer engaged, and he was marrying his leading lady Mila. which is I honestly... pretty shady shitty if you don't mind me saying so but you know you can't stop love i wouldn't call it true love because they did only lasted until 2000 <laughs> but love for the time love for the time i mean they made two great films together yeah and i mean obviously what they had was real this this was a big movie for him and for her so i'm sure that there was a lot of emotion to that and i mean may wen who was the the actress and model the she's french um she plays the diva and uh, she was in the midst of her budding performance pieces and her career so hopefully it didn't end too horribly i really had no idea like i knew that they had a marriage that spun from this this uh, film, but I had no idea that he had been previously engaged. So that was a big surprise to me. Yeah, to the diva. Now, I did watch an interview with her, which she does not give interviews about The Fifth Element. I bet a lot of people do ask her quite often about it. Uh, yeah. But it's something she doesn't really want to talk about being that, you know, her fiancé left her. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she got the role... And three months later, she had to be on set. So she had time to memorize. She wanted to make sure she had every beat. And she had her own choreography that she was going to do. She did in Paris um, in front of a big green screen. And it was awesome. But she was kind of upset at the cutting of it. You guys, okay. if you're an actor and you are in a movie, do not expect. Don't expect anything. 
I, I would like to say that. Like, so if you feel like you had this huge scene and it was very chunky and you're like, ooh, yeah, they're going to put all of that in there. There's a huge chance they might put half of it in there, a quarter of it in there, or none of it in there. And you did all this work, you know, you feel like for no reason, but for only that, like, two minutes of screen time. She put in a lot of work for doing that scene and felt like it was all left on the cutting floor. I love yeah. the way that they edit it, weaving in between her and Lilu, you know, both doing their thing. I love I that. I always as well, too. That balance is so beautiful. But I did get to see a uncut footage of the diva singing in front of the green screen mm -hmm. all the way through. And after seeing it, I understand why he cut a lot of what he cut out. Not necessarily, like, not the music part the music part is all the music part is what fuels the entire fuel fight it. scene and you you almost not feel her like singing, they are by the one way. in the same because remember she's the fifth element yeah and she's also in content she contains the stones so in a sense they're almost they're connected yeah and definitely. that's why the the way they're moving and that's why she knows when she's hurt like she's hurt too and I think it would be really boring. One, I would think it would be really boring if I were just to sit there and watch the diva completely perform the entire song and nothing else. Two, I like the cuts because it makes it feel more comic book-like, yeah. uh, action-packed. I, I, I'm I, a person who really loves action filming, especially when it's like a woman figure being the action hero and yep. kicking ass. Like, that's yep. my favorite. Me too. And, and Lilo does it in like... She's still feminine, but she's also just, like, a, a personal being as well. Just, like, a natural whatever. This is who I am. Fuck you guys. Like, I don't give a fuck. So that makes me sad that she felt like there was too much. But I also can imagine she has resentment to the part because I cannot even... Um, what that prosthetic and the latex dress suit thing that is at her body or are those her clothes? You don't know. You don't um, know. It took three hours. Three hours. I mean, that's not the Grinch. The Grinch took Jim Carrey eight hours a day. But that's because of those folds, like, and in, in the way, I don't, and the, he was green. Yeah, it took her three hours a day to become the diva. So the diva, the character is singing Dolce Suno, which is uh, from the opera, the Lucia de la... Uh, I'm so glad you uh, wrote all that because I was never going to be able to say that correctly. Thank you. <laughs> so what's crazy is that uh, there's like super, it's really long. There's like soaring arpeggios and then they have the high F in there and a very high C. Like yeah. super, like almost trans, like transcendent. So what's cool is that they had an actually trained operatic singer to sing the song. It is, Mei Wen is lip singing yes. the, the, the song. But... Those the way that the beat was and how fluid it was, the opera singer told them like, you do understand it's earthly impossible for any human to sing this song, which is why I'm sure that you're making it this alien. So what they ended up having to do is she just sung every single note and then they cut it and edited it to make it that like no one can actually ever do that song. I can't do it. Either, it was, but I fucking it's love so it. beautiful. Oh, I love it. Like, like she fucking. I was. I had a a cutie, a lover. I was obsessed with this song so much that they put it on one CD, just that one song. I was like, you didn't put any other songs on it. They're like, no, it only. I had a CD of just that one song. The reason <laughs> why I feel so like we are on the diva so much is because that has always been my favorite scene. It's her mm -hmm. singing and Lulu fighting. Um, I will s stop everything if I know it's about to come on because that is my favorite part. It just has so always beautiful. been since I was a kid. It's always been my favorite part. Uh, it misses old school with new school. 
Um, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And Besson didn't let anyone see what the diva was going to look like before they actually filmed that scene. So what was super amazing is that when she comes out on stage, that is actually Bruce Willis's reaction. He was like, whoa, like he was not prepared to see this really cool, beautiful alien being. The yeah. way she was like lit up, mm-hmm. it was perfect. Yeah, a lot of the, none of the audience had seen her mm-hmm. like that. It took three hours for her to get all that makeup in. She had to mm-hmm. drink and eat through a straw. She had to be six feet tall. And so they hid her anytime she was on set so that people wouldn't see her until yeah. it was time. <laughs> until it was time. All right. So can you talk about our heroine? Yeah. Mila Jovovich. I love her. I'm obsessed. I... Loved her in this film. It gave, it made me obsessed with her. And then, of course, I got really into Resident Evil, which we all know her from. Uh, have we ever talked about her on the show before? We absolutely have. She was very small, no words, in Dazed and Confused. But we Dazed didn't talk about confused. her uh, because we love her in that movie. But, yeah, no, we haven't talked about her other than that. This is the first time where she has got to show her voice <laughs> on our show anyway. <laughs> So, she, yeah, we know that she's an American actress, but she is from Russia. She is Ukrainian. She speaks four different languages fluently. She speaks four different languages. This woman is amazing. Five if uh, you count the divine language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she has nothing but a, a, a darling reputation in Hollywood. She's very professional. She's very easy to work with, fun. This cast had the most fun together. She was she was mentioned that she felt like she was friends with everybody at the end. Her and Bruce Willis had a good connection. Oh, this is a really fun little fun fact. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Do 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 do. Bruce Willis, Mila Janovich, Chris Tucker, and Gary Oldman are all left-handed. Whoa. Dude, that's crazy though. Like to have an entire like all the cast, the lead actors have are, are left left handed. I love that. Well, the majority of our presidents have been left handed. That's crazy. Right. <laughs> um I think she, she's beautiful. She started off modeling and then it moved into international success and then she became a beautiful she's a beautiful actress. I don't think she was definitely one of those models that was able to fluidly go into her career and it there was nothing no problem. Yeah, she actually does a really good job at being a badass, which you wouldn't think this model skinny chick would be good at, you know, constantly Mm-mm. beating aliens or vampires or whatever the fuck you're fucking killing. Um, exactly. But she, she, yeah, she pulls it off. Like you said, she mm-hmm. she's made a career of kind of doing like... The Resident Evils and this. Yeah. And, you know, she just made a, a career of being a badass. Yeah. She was in so, The Last Hellboy. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was in The Last Hellboy. That's right. I forgot about that for a second. Oh, yeah. She She's was in wild. Zoolander. She, dude, I love her in Zoolander. <laughs> she right. she kills me, like, every time. She's good time. Uh, yeah. uh, she's just, like, a she's a resident badass. Yeah. I that's I love her for that. Like she she plays the ultraviolet. I love her in ultraviolet. Oh wait, no, we have talked about her. She was in uh He Got Game. There we go. That too. Oh. I forgot she plays like his like little she she plays the hooker. <laughs> I love it. He's got game. That's right. I totally forgot. We talked about her in that. 
So what I, this is crazy, and I feel super bad about this because I would have totally done it too, but I guess, so her hair, it's iconic. The orange hair is the orange element throughout the entire, she is the fifth element, and it's, the hair is just so iconic. What's crazy to me, though, and I feel so bad, is that her hair is naturally brown. And when they were doing this film, they completely bleached out her whole entire hair to the point where it started to actually, like, fall out and just completely, like, break off. Yeah, dude. So then she just ended up, which I don't know why anyone didn't think this before, just wearing a wig. Oh, girl, I would have said that from the jump. From the get-go. If anything, I might have dyed it personally myself because I like to go, like I was saying. But I would have... Especially after the first time getting it bleached and dyed and seeing how, you know, people's hair grow out at different lengths. So some people's hair grow really fast and you got two weeks of it or, you know, some of it grows out really slow where you got two months of it or or so. Yeah. But yeah, I would have been like, hey, girl, (laughs) wig. Yeah, wig. (laughs) I don't I don't even understand why that wasn't even a first choice for me because it's just ninety three million dollars and my hair to fall out for I got a wig. <laughs> exactly. Shit. But he, but here's the thing is that also knowing uh Jovovich and all of this, I mean she even creates a language with the writer and the director. I'm sure she just went heads like just went head in, didn't think, didn't care, and was like, We're doing it this way. I'm gonna be the character. I want it to be my hair, I wanna be Lilu Dallas. But like that just completely falling like backfiring for uh, sure. I would like to say that as a black woman, I mm-hmm. always consider what you're trying to do to my hair because a lot of white people don't realize what I can and can't do to my hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to wash my hair every day or, you know, curl it, straighten it every day. I would have already been like, okay, I love what we're doing here and I am all about this orange, but I know this wig <laughs> bitch who can make me a really good, like, you know, like I would have already yeah. had, had a reason to do it because <laughs> I don't want to do yeah. that to my hair all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know as, a lot of other black actresses have problems like this as well. Like the daughter on Blackish or uh, Grownish, the one from Grownish. She mm-hmm. had to explain to these white people that, no, girl, you want me to have braids that take eight hours for me to braid. You only want it for this one episode, but next week you want me to not have braids. That's not how this works. You know, yeah. you want my hair to be completely straight, but my hair is falling out because I'm black and that's, I'm not supposed to straighten it every goddamn day all the time. Like, these are things yeah. that that she had to make sure she put in her contract that there was only one woman allowed to touch her hair who was an African-American. And that if she didn't want, right she didn't have to do certain, they had to run hairstyles by her before she would sign off on, yes, I want to do this to my hair because you guys are asking me to do stuff that my hair can do, but my hair has to repair and heal yeah. before we can move on to the next thing. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. So no. she she didn't know that she had the right to do something like that. And I yeah. say to all actors, you know, if, if your hair means a lot to you or you're sensitive about it, make sure you you step up and, and say something. Step about up it. for yourself, yeah. yeah. I'm cool with, like, I'll shave all this fucking hair off in a heartbeat and just start over. Like, it, to me personally, it doesn't matter. But to someone yeah. else, it extremely matters to them. It extremely matters to them. And, but, like, again, Javovich, I think she was just being kind of reckless in this time as well because She's there young. was even... She was reporting as well. Like, she was doing full stunts and, like, yeah. full movement that she it wasn't necessary for her to do and like I guess Besson had like tried to talk to her about it and it finally was Bruce Willis who said, Come on, like it's fake. Don't break your head over this. 
He actually said that. I mean, I feel like if Bruce Willis came to me and was like, hey, girl. King of action at this point. I can't hear out of my, like, left ear because I fucking shot a gun under a table because they wanted to use real blanks so it would feel real and now I'm deaf, kind of, for the rest of my life. This yeah. shit is fake, okay? Don't this take it Don't serious. Do it. Don't put your body through this. Yeah, and so she said she had bruises on her every day, all the every time. Day. And I understand that because I personally would have probably gave it all my all too. And would exactly. have, and I would have had to have Bruce Willis come in and say, "Bitch, I can't hear." Like you know, <laughs> bitch, bitch, I can't hear because I thought Die Hard was the shit. All right, I thought I was him. Oh, and I love this movie because a lot of people call it Die Hard in Space, which I agree. Oh my god, that's so funny. Because it's but a, that makes him the lead, and he's definitely not the lead of this movie, though. Well, I mean, like Die Hard with a Vengeance. He's like Kobe. <gasps> I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. Oh my god! We Should we do about that this, this month? Because that fa- is like absolutely my favorite Die Hard. It's my hands favorite down. Die Hard. It's. So I love good. the first one. Don't get me wrong, y'all. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker! Come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. Yes, I get it. Yeah. But there's something about that fucking Die Hard with a Vengeance. Samuel Jackson. <laughs> And it has such it a close tie to the first one. Well, and it, it just does. has such a close tie to the first one because that was his comrade and his brother it that it, it all tends back to from Hans. Yep. So it all stems back from that. And that's what I love about it. I'm like, oh, my God. And then Samuel Jackson's in it. And then oh. Samuel Jackson. I yes. mean, it's the, it's, that movie is really intense. We should talk about Bruce Willis. Let's just talk about Bruce Willis. We're already there. Uh, Bruce, Bruce with it. We've already talked about him about those times. We talked yes, about him in times. obviously Die Hard. We mm-hmm. did for Christmas one year. And then we talked about him again in Pulp Fiction. So. Yeah. He's a reoccurring it. awesome. He, this won't be his last film for sure. No, because Die Hard with a Vengeance is Die literally Vengeance coming. Is coming. I know it is. I don't know <laughs> I when. Know. It might be this month because it is free month. But Bruce Bruce was Mr. Die Hard at this point. Yeah. He had done. Wait, did Die Hard Adventures already came out? So he might have done three already by this time. Die Hard Adventures came out in 1995. Like I said, this was two years. He had three Die Hards After, under his belt. Whoa. He had Pulp Fictions <gasps> under his belt. Last Boy Scout was under his belt by this. He had done the Look Who's Talking one and two by this time. He was making mad. Yeah, money. so he was he was fucking huge. I mean, he still makes mad money. Yeah, I mean, Moonlighting like, definitely was happening all before this. He has six movies to be announced in, in post-production already. He does a good job, man. I love him. And then the year after this, you know what he had after this? And I don't want to miss a thing. And even when I dream of you. Yeah, so <laughs> Armageddon was the year Gracie. after this. I love you, Gracie. And I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> Bruce was the number one, first, pretty much only choice to pay Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Corbin, Corbin, man. But he was kind of scared that he was going to get him. So he did offer the role also to Mel Gibson. Now, I don't know how it would have felt. Not that Mel Gibson couldn't have done it, because by this time Mel Gibson had, you know, done like three lethal weapons and shit. I'm not saying that he couldn't have done it. I think it would have been very different. But he does have good comedic timing. He is a badass and he can do his own stunts. So I don't think it would have been the worst choice. 
It wouldn't have been the worst choice, but I'm really glad that it was Bruce Willis. I'm glad it was Bruce Willis too, because it was almost going to be Jean Renault as well, because that's he because uh, Besson was obsessed with him from The Professional, and everything was so great that of course he was he was even considered to be Corbin Dallas, but I'm glad they didn't go in that direction either. Me too. I love him. He is a great actor. He can play so many different types of like races and people and just things and, but yeah. I don't know if he he's not the funniest. He doesn't have a good. He's not funny. He's not funny. But maybe it's just because nobody lets him be funny. He might be funny in real life. I don't know the man. Well, no, actually, he is pretty funny. He has had in the professional. I I giggled at some of the things, but I mean, I don't well, see him on. as a wisecracking, chain smoking, Coben, Coben my man. Coben, Coben, Coben my man. Bruce Willis. One of my favorite lines in the actual thing was completely ad-libbed, and I'm obsessed with it. Look, lady, I only speak two languages. Look, lady, I only speak two languages. English and bad English. English and bad English. And he's, like, screaming it when she's in the cab, and yeah. she's, like, screaming. She's against the window, like, ah! Like, like, telling like, her to fucking yeah. slow it down. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, yeah, he totally improv that he also did not really know what she was saying when she drops into the cab and he's like trying to figure no. out what she's saying so like that confused look and shit on his face that be real yeah i don't know what his script said when he was learning his lines and it just gave some kind of like random note about what she was going to be saying like what did it say speaking another language I guess he didn't prepare her, like, for what kind of language it was going to be spoken. It probably says, like, get an idea. speaks the divine language. Like, he knew she, he knew that that's what she was going to speak, but he obviously yeah. doesn't know what it means because it's only, like, two people on this, like, freaking green earth that actually knows what she's saying. <laughs> actually, no. And uh, so it didn't matter what. I bet it just says she falls in cab, says divine language, confused, and just kind of says his line. And he probably personally said, like, say this to him and, you know. I don't know. That's just what I would think. Yeah. I like it. Bruce Willis. He's the man. We will definitely talk again. Yeah. It's Bruce motherfucking Willis, man. Yeah. He's not a bad white man in Hollywood. <laughs> we could talk about him. Yeah. Like, he, I, I can honestly say he's like a good guy. Uh, he better not go fucking up. I don't think, I think everybody has a chance to fuck it up. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, everyone fucks up. It's just like, how, how badly do you fuck up? He's like, I drink, I smoke. I play in a rock band. I have a blended family. And, uh... <laughs> I know. I have actually mad respect for, like, how beautiful and complex their family life is. Yeah. I'm a... You know how I'm a sucker for love. I'm a sucker for family love, too. So, the actors inside the Mandashan, is that what those, uh, those suits? Yeah. Those, like, metal suit The dudes ancients. That you see. The, the people who... The actors inside them had to be six foot seven to be able to even fit the costume. And stop it. No way. They also had to have TV monitors inside their costumes because they couldn't turn their heads. They couldn't oh see them whole. They couldn't see where they were going. And each one of them had their own person with a headset and walkie who is kind of guiding them of where they're going because they can't see. How crazy is that? So funny. <laughs> the sad thing. I was watching this documentary uh, on YouTube. It was a really short one, but it was about how people used to just throw away props or, you know, very famous props in movies and stuff like that. Or they would yeah. just put them away until somebody found them. Mm -hmm. In this sense, these costumes were thrown away after productions. So 
there's only one of them that does that did survive and it belonged to makeup uh slash special effects person nick dunman and he's the only one that has one of these still intact because the rest of them were all tossed um i feel he was like smart enough to grab it he's like no i'm keeping this i'm keeping this and so i feel like the 90s was the beginning of the time of realizing that props were also a money-making thing in itself because if you are a big enough movie you're gonna have big enough fans that are going to want to go to auction to buy the ruby slippers from the wizard of oz or you know this Mm. suit from this nowadays you know it's kind of hard for anything from like the avengers to leave the set they keep all yeah. of that fucking shit and they keep it locked away and they slowly will like auction it off for different events or, you know, certain actors might steal them or get them. But like, they're not doing <laughs> I wonder if they have to negotiate hole. in the contract. Like, like if Captain America was like, I want to keep my shield. Like, was that in a contract? Like, hi. Um, usually the way that it works. So if you were Sarah Jessica Parker on Sex in the City, it was written in her contract that she got all of Carrie's clothing. So she has like extra, extra closets of just clothing from Sex in the City. Oh, I love that. Oh, you know who else is like that? Blanche from Golden Girls. She got all <gasps> of Blanche's clothes. Yeah. So sometimes you I can put it. that in to your contract. I feel like at the end of like Endgame. If I was Captain America, I would be like, yeah, let me get that fucking shield. I did, like, how many movies with this shit? And I'm never going to do another one. So, like, let me have this to put up in my house. But, I mean, some, you know, some props, the directors take themselves, like we talked about in Home Alone with the sled. Yeah. But, yeah, there's only one left on this planet. And this guy and has it. The, this guy's got it. And yeah. I love these little robots. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. I got another fun fact for you. So the kids in the beginning of the movie when they're outside of like the temple. Okay. I got another fun fact for you. Give me another fun fact. So the kids in the beginning of the movie when they're outside the temple, those kids are local kids to, I want to say Egypt. I can't remember where Uh, they actually filmed it. Uh, But those were actually local kids that they use. But by the time they got back to Paris where they were filming on the soundstage to do the inside of it they had to find kids that look like these kids to play them so there's two separate groups of three kids play the same three kids that <laughs> i didn't is even so notice fun. it i love it i happens. feel so bad I, yeah honestly kids just come in and out of the shot and i'm like okay cool keep running it's the same ones i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> you all have jackets on yeah <laughs> all right so let's hit this chris tucker real quick We have talked about him once on Friday. Oh well, uh, of course you. We haven't done like we haven't done like a rush hour or like silver lining playbook or anything. We love to money talks. Money talks definitely one of my favorites. Oh. I love him in Dead Presidents. Oh, He's Dead Presidents is Dead so Presidents. good. <gasps> Such a good fucking movie. Do that um, movie. We should do that movie, and he does a really really good job in that movie he does um, such yeah, a good job in that film we previously talked about him in friday uh, right oh, that's not true. we talked about him in jackie brown briefly plays beaumont livingston oh beaumont livingston beaumont livingston who got inside the trunk of a car for some roscoe's <laughs> 
And that's how you would kill Zenobia. Yep. You offered her some Roscoe. She gets in the trunk of the car. She gone. <laughs> uh, but I love Roscoe's. Oh, we went to Roscoe's last time I was in Los Angeles together. We sure did. But yeah, so he really made his claim to fame during the rush hour periods where he became like one of the highest grossing actors during those times. He became friends with Michael Jackson, becoming in You Rock My World video, which I fucking love. Yeah. Oh, my God. But the last big thing that he's done was Silver Lining Playbook. Yeah. He's kind of been taking it, like, quiet for a little while now. I believe he's born again, and he, you know, takes his religious stuff seriously. I pray that he shows up for the last Friday. It'd be a very cool full circle Especially if they do it like I want them to do it, where it's like Pops' funeral and everybody has to come back. Oh, that'd be really sad, but really good. Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be hard to do Friday without Pops, so you might as well give him a send-off, yeah. And, you know, Smokey comes back, he can even come back as a born-again Christian and just be like, you know, I don't smoke no more. Yeah, he went to rehab. He went to rehab. He'd be like, I don't smoke no more, I don't drink. He doesn't smoke no more. He's got kids and wife, you know, like... He could do whatever he wanted. It'd be great. But I he's just gonna be him. the final push for <laughs> for Craig, man. Like that's Craig's just like I gotta get my shit together. Smokey's got his shit. Got his shit together. I mean, I don't know. I know him and Ice Cube have like a little beef on coming to do this movie because Ice Cube likes to keep his money down on doing his movies. That's the reason why he was replaced. Is because he didn't get paid what he thought he should be paid. Wait, seriously? It all has to do with money. Yeah, that's why he's not in two or three. Ice Cube? What the fuck, man? Yeah, by two you should have gave him, broke him off with some change that he needed. Yeah, come on. Like, he fucking brought that film. He, he brought that film. Yeah. I didn't know that drama. That makes me sad. You need to go back and listen to our Friday episode because we do uh, discuss that in there. But yeah, he had issues with that and that's why he kind of moved on to doing Rush Hour where they were paying him, you know, white actor money. Yeah. Him and Jackie Chan, dude, which they still have a friendship to this day. They do. And there's supposed to be another Jackie uh, Rush Hour 4 coming as well. Which would be brilliant. Mm-hmm. Jackie! Chris Tucker! Yeah. So. <laughs> I think it's crazy, though, that this, because I honestly cannot see any other character person be this character. Ruby is iconic because it is Chris Tucker. And. Chris pulls it together. He keeps it completely, like, I would almost say it's almost androgynous. Like, he plays the character completely androgynous. And that's what I really love about it. I mean, he gets to have that flirtation with the clothes itself. Because Jean-Paul Gaultier made his clothes very feminine, form-fitting, beautiful big collars. Very, like, chic and glamour. But he has, like, a very broad beautiful like essence of strength to himself that that gives he has such charisma such passion for what he does he just has this power to him that makes him just very like yeah very sexual but like there's what way there's two people who were considered for this role originally the number one person that they wanted was prince and (laughs) prince turned it down because he thought it was too feminine coming from the purple one I know. What is that? I don't get that. Do you think that's real? Because I just don't get that. I saw it and read it in different articles. So I take that with a grain of salt. I don't think that Prince would say that because Prince wears heels and makeup and assless chaps. Like I've seen him personally have more makeup on his face than I have 
ever. So like, I, I don't see him really saying that. Plus he's Prince. Whatever he says, you know, you're going to change it to whatever he wants. Cause he's fucking Prince and no one doesn't do what Prince says. <laughs> Except the label who made him change his name to the artist. But other than that, everybody else fucking does what he says. And that's one of them. I don't know. Well, maybe because saw that Chris Tucker said that the clothes that they showed him at first, he was like, oh, hell no. So Luke said that he showed him the worst copies of the costumes first just to like gauge where he was at. And so he showed him more and more. He would be wearing like some dress. And he was like, "Uh uh-uh, man, like, if you want me to do this, I'm not wearing a dress. Like, I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. And he was like, okay, well, how about these? And so that's how we kind of got the ruby that we got. um, Yeah. By that way. So maybe, you know, Prince saw the ones where he was going to be wearing a dress and was like, look, I know that I'm Prince and I can, like, kind of do whatever. This is just a little too much for me. I can understand. But they also. I think so, too. They also offered the role to Michael Jackson as well. When I. Heard about that? I can absolutely see Michael Jackson not being down with that yeah. character whatsoever. It would it wouldn't be his image. It's not his image. Um, he doesn't have sexual. that kind. He of... ain't sexual like that. It wouldn't work. Ruby mm-hmm. like just whispers in girls' ears, and they just like go wet. Licking his dance to the girlies, cause this guy's gonna have you right home to mama, right here from five to seven. I'll be your voice, you dumb. Know? Like that. That's exactly. Ruby, and that's and more that's of a prince. And Prince or Chris Tucker, like, honestly, those two characters I can see will just completely make anybody melt by just whispering sweet, beautiful nothings into their ear. And just, like, having such that sexual prowess and confidence within themselves and their bodies. Like, even Chris Tucker even has a way of leaning his body in, like, almost Cruella de Vil-like, like a very slinky... Just like walks around. But, you know like, what has, I like, saw? Animated... I feel like when he walks around, he's like fucking Jim Carrey Kill- as yeah. the Riddler, where he's just like, he has like his like, he just he moves like him. It's yeah. very singy songy. It's yeah. very just like DJ rhythm esque yeah. feel to it. And it, it was emphasized with the hair, especially like the blonde. It's beautiful. Yeah, that blonde. Do you remember? Like, the last Halloween we spent together when I came to New York, there was a dude dressed as Ruby. Yes, you remember? yes we did. I got a photo of it. I remember we were at House of Yes. Yes. They, sh- they closed down. That was such a I cool know. ass bar. That was such, such a, cool a cool bar. Ass Can bar. you believe that we got to live in that time when House of Yes was a thing? Thank you. Um, we were like so fucking Ruby. <laughs> like we Ruby! screamed at him. I know. I'll find that photo in the archive and I'll put it on our yeah. For this episode. And if you know that Ruby from New York somewhere, you guys tag him. From wanna... House of Yes. From House that of was Yes. 2017. 2017. Wow. Yeah, it's been a minute. Okay, so can I give you another Ruby fun fact? Yeah, give me another Ruby fun fact. Then we'll jump into Gary Oldman. Okay, so Ruby's name that originally appears in the script and movie novelization was Lock Rod. I don't like it, though. Lockrod, I don't like that either. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm yeah. so glad that they switched over. Yeah, well, I mean, if you read the novel, apparently not, but in the movie, way to change. That's that was a good change from book to film. Though. Good, good change. good change. So I want to talk about Gary Oldman, our Zorg, Mister Zorg. Zorg. He's uh, kind of incredible. If you don't know much about Gary Ullman, uh he's an old English actor. Uh, you've probably seen him in like The Dark Knight. Okay, he's cool. Gordon. 
I mean, I don't even want to like talk about how fucking amazing he he is. Yes. Yeah. He is Commissioner Gordon, one of the coolest and badass characters in any of the fucking Dark Knight movies. He is such He's a great a, character I, actor. He does this. Yeah. He was Dracula in 1992. He mm-hmm. was in True Romance, which I think is probably like one of my favorites of just like a weird character that he plays. He plays like this weird white Jamaican dude with like a scar dude. on his face. Like <laughs> He's just too amazing. He's just too, too amazing. Um, yeah. He's such a character actor that sometimes it takes me a moment to realize that he is who I'm looking at. Yeah, it makes his choices for films so, like, particular, too. But, like, he also, I mean, he jumps in. He he does, like, major film, like, motion picture films, though. Like, Harry Potter, he's serious black. That, and oh, then, that's right. He's fucking serious, yo. He's fucking serious black here. Like, I also very much recognize him as the villain in Air Force One against Harrison Ford, yep. which is around the same time that this movie was coming out as well, 1997. Yep. Like, same. This is, this is, like, his realm right now. He plays such a good villain. He's also villain a professional, too. It, well, yeah, so that's the biggest tie is that that's why he's in this movie. He's really good friends with Luke Besson. Like, they love working together. He says that this isn't his favorite piece that he's ever done, but he did have a lot of fun making the film. He did take this role without even reading the script because exactly. Luke uh, helped him get a movie of his made mm-hmm. where he wanted to direct and star in a movie of his and Luke was like, look, yo, girl, I got your back. You always got my back. You always do some good shit on my stuff. Here's some money. Here's some, like, mm-hmm. whatever you need. I want your dream to come true, just like my dreams have been coming true. So mm-hmm. after him helping him with that, he came to him with the script for Fifth Element. And without reading, he said, of course, bitch, I'll do whatever you want. What do you need me to do? You want me to be an uh, evil person? I will. And he said that he did it this character was just a cross between Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yes. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I haven't even thought about like Ross Perot like forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Really. yeah. But then Especially yeah, I, the- I totally see it. I totally see. Yeah. What is the black shit coming I, down his head? I feel like that's just like, uh, like that's blood. Wait, that's like oozy blood. Like the, that's the power of evil. The way it, it, it brings death to you is through like dark oozy gooey blood because he's on the phone with what's his face and it's just like yeah mr shadow coming down his face it's just the evil being basically (laughs) evil being in this but like i love gary ullman he is an academy award winner he won at playing winston churchill and uh the the darkest hour all i know is he should have won it for serious black or commissioner (laughs) gordon both of them i love both of them so much (laughs) So much. Sirius Black was the shit. He was the shit. Uh, well, I love. Well, my favorite film. If I were to pick a, my Gary Oldman favorite film is I loved him in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Like that for me is like a 1990s nerdy ass romantic film. It's a, it's such like a tragic comedy. I love it. I just and it's so him. Oh, oh yes, he was in Dawn of the Planets of the Apes. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah, that was a real good one. Ooh, good call out. Good call out. I'm just saying, he is such a great character actor. He can yeah, slip he really is. in and out of being a very good person, 
that is just fighting for good, like Commissioner Gordon. Um, Mm -hmm. He could be like someone very sleazy and bad that you're just like, oh, damn, I can't trust this fucker. Or he could just be like misunderstood. He can literally (laughs) play anything. I love it. Uh, can I give you a little fun fact about him in this movie? Fun fact! Please, because I'm surprised this is our first talk of him. I know, I'm surprised too. So, he makes this call out to his uh, professional character and scene in that. And he does, and I just like love that he pulls those two together. So, when he's talking and he turns, and it's after he had talked to the, uh, the Mangalores, and he's walking away, and he's just like, a cold-blooded killer, that's what I love. Mm-hmm. And he uh, makes that whole speech that is totally pertaining to the omen's character uh, when he's getting killed by Leon, the professional. And that's like totally. Oh. Yeah, that's like doing the total call out. Like, that's who I love is a cold blooded killer right there. And then even still, like when they show off, like how all of a sudden, if you push the little red button, and you, like, <laughs> it just explodes all of them. He's just sitting there exactly. smoking, waiting. <laughs> yeah just sitting there that's totally like another like shot for shot like character frame of when they threw a, the bunch of grenades and it burst out remember and it the all the grenades blow up in front of the building yeah yeah it's just like it, when i saw that connection i was like oh my god that's just like a total another call out to dan well that production manager for that whole entire scene like he was able to just completely put those two sides together and i loved it He's just real life, real life explosions. Like those were real life miniatures that they were getting to blow up for that scene to make it that special effect. The clocks that hang in the miniature are pocket watches. Really? Yeah. Stop it. No stopping. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I just truly love him. I think he did a great job in this movie as playing Uh a very cartoonish comic book evil doer that you know you're rooting against but you also like because he says funny shit and i personally think that these plastic little half domes that they're wearing keeps the government from reading their minds i don't know that was one, that was one of the, like the theories i read and i was like okay i can see that i can see that the last thing i have for gary oldman okay so i didn't really notice it until i read about it but apparently during the composition and the production designer, again, this Dan Wheel guy, I, I really got into him a lot. Him as a, He was a production director and manager of the whole film. He was ending up putting a lot of Halo-esque circular frames behind Gary Ullman's character. <laughs> Why? Like he's I don't good? know. Because then they're putting Bruce Willis in more like framed off squared imagery as well. And that was on purpose. Did he explain why, or you just noticed? That? No, they did. They didn't. They just they, they didn't explain why. They just wanted to add a, a like a, a a constant motif in the film where it was more circular esque and square, like keeping it geometric. I guess to add to like the framing aspect of each. Yeah, to keep it like starting to frame it for each scene. I think that it gives each department something to work on. You're like, look, fashion. These are my colors that I'm I'm working with. And so go off of that. Or if you're doing set design, you're like, look, if you're doing Bruce Willis, I need it more square. If you're doing, you know, what's his face, then it, I need it more like rounded. And it gives mm-hmm. each what? character their own distinguished 
Look. And you see it in their clothes as well. Like you see, like he has his, of course, his dome over that dome. protective yeah. plastic shield. And then he, like all of his coats and his vests and his everything is all very rounded, very just like when you look at Bruce Willis, all of his vests, his jackets, they're very squared off. They're very like cut angled. Yeah. His tuxedo is very, he even wears vests a lot, which causes a lot of like to cut offs as well. And sharp edges, as opposed to Gary Ullman, who has all these like soft curves, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Ooh, I have a fun fact. This is fucking. This is fucking really funny. And this is, I don't know who designed this or put this in there, but when you see the ship leaves Earth for Blossom Paradise, the big spaceship, there's a constellation cut out in the sh- the stars scene, which we have found out are just sheets with holes in it, <laughs> and the constellation is of a cat walking with its tail straight up okay dude you can see it in like the lower left corner right above the rim of the earth what yeah dude what okay now i gotta go rewind (laughs) okay it's so crazy and like who cut that in there like who we're putting a cat butt in there like we're doing it it would totally be me because it'd be a job they would have gave me. I don't want to fucking do. I got to sit on this big fabric thing and put a bunch of holes. I think they probably it. just did it secretively, like added yeah. it. Like no one's gonna request. I wouldn't that. have said anything, and I would have just did it and see what happens. I get fired. I get fired. Oh well. I like it. I, I like, like it. this little. Like, hmm. uh, I got one fun fact. So for the role of Lilu, they looked at three thousand to five thousand women for that role and one of the women included in that role was julia roberts so she could have been lilu i'm very glad they didn't pick her i don't see her as being a very good choice for this even though she was pretty young at that time I, she's just never been a very athletic actor um, mm-hmm. that might have changed her whole i would no i i don't i mean maybe this could have thrown her no i would never actually i don't no, see I it do i really don't see no it. i don't see it she's not really a a combat character she looks soft she looks soft has she ever been in like a military well i guess she plays a no nah, girl she don't know how to do she don't she don't fight she's not a fighter she's not a fighter she's no like she really... yeah she's she's nobody like that you know She's no Angela Jolie. Okay, so we have one thing that we did not talk about, and that is the biggest explosion in a movie in on a set ever. Ever? Ever. It's in wow. this movie. Ever. So I believe when they blow up the lobby where yeah. Ruby and Coburn are underneath the table, and they're like... <gasps> the pool table. And they're like pushing it. <laughs> And it explodes everything and everything explodes up. That was real. That was the largest explosion on a set of all time. I believe it still is. And it took 20 minutes for them to put the fire out. They had to evacuate the set as soon as it was over. And it took 20 minutes to get the fire to be out. Another fire scene is when they're in the airport. And, you know, the dude's on the phone and he's like, man, I'm sorry. He already came and got on. There was nothing I could do. And he was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, and he blows him up. That Ooh. that fire in the was... In the phone booth. Yeah, in the phone booth. That fire was way bigger than it was supposed to be. And if you really pay attention, you'll see that the stuntmans are engulfed in fire. <gasps> yeah, no one was hurt from what I read. But if you look that, at it, it's, it's pretty scary. That is really scary. Whoa. Yeah. Yo, people were going balls out for this film, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I mean, apparently he can get anybody to do anything. Luca just just says it. And <laughs> we're like, I'm down. 
I I'm will down. explode myself, yes. Well, I will do this for you because you are amazing, yes. You ready for a fun fact? Yeah. A fun fact. Give it to me. Uh, when the president tells uh, Cornelius that he only has like 20 seconds to state his point, he actually only talks for 20 seconds. Like that whole scene when he's speaking is 20 seconds. And I love that that is the specific time frame given and it's perfect. It's perfect. But the, when it, it splits around though, because when they tell you that the earth only has one minute left, it takes them to light the last and to get the fifth element activated for a minute and 47 seconds. Yeah, it does so I was bummed. It would have been really cool and really clean if they had done both of them, but I totally get for cinema pur purposes that they needed to go over. Yes. It was a very impactful moment. Okay, so we have totally forgot one person before we get out of here. I was going to ask, have you guys talked about Ian Holm? Have you guys ever talked about him before? I, I, I'm really freaking out now because I don't know if you guys have ever talked about him before. No, no. He's Bilbo, huh? That's right. He's... He's Bilbo Baggins. That's right. Yeah. He's also Tim Frost in The Naked Lunch. But he he has, like, a very distinct career doing very odd, beautiful characters that w he technically wouldn't be branch, brand of leading man. But every character he does is, is phenomenal. Ooh, he's in The Aviator. Yeah. Yeah. Garden State, The Day After Tomorrow... All of the fucking Lord of the Rings and like the fucking All the Lord Hobbits. of the Rings. Yeah. He was in a Nikki C movie, Lord of War. Lord of War. Yep, he was. Yeah, so he definitely has been in the game. I don't know any fun facts about him. I mean, he has not been on our show before. But I do feel like we will Lord of the Rings one of them at least soon. Yes, we're going to definitely, I, I want to dive deep into him in another movie that can give him a lot of justice. He's amazing in this film. Yes. Uh, he he is so he's he's so funny. His comedy is brilliant. He feeds off of he's a huge actor, like in film as well as on the stage. He's um, a Lawrence Olivier Award winner. Like he's he's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So I do want to go into detail, but he just plays. I love him as the priest. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has such a rapport with the all the other characters as well as i mean in this film he just doesn't shine though he doesn't really ever like stand out more than anybody else yeah he does great i love him in this movie i totally yeah. forgot he was bilbo <laughs> he's bilbo no but the person that i was saying that we forgot oh yeah to talk who are you talking about was tommy tiny lester jr aka oh, debo Debo baby. Debo baby. He plays the president of the world in this movie. First black president of the world. Of the world, baby. <laughs> uh, I love it. We have previously talked about him along with Chris Tucker in the Friday movie. He does a great job. He's also been in like A Dark Knight and Zootopia. Mm -hmm. You've seen him all over the place. He used to be a wrestler. That's where he got his start. Yep, Back he's a professional wrestler, baby. Yes. WWF. He would do, yeah, he did a good job. He showed up on so many fucking 
things, shows like Keen Pill and a bunch of movies. He he stayed working for uh, probably about 30 years. And unfortunately, we did lose Tiny this year. Uh, yeah, well, not this he year, died last so year. young. Yeah, last December, year. December 10th, 2020, he passed away before Christmas at the age of 62. From what I believe was complications with coronavirus. I know he had had it and then had had type 2 diabetes. He has type 2 diabetes. Well, he had. Oh, God, this is so sad. Um, This is actually the first time we've had to talk about somebody that died of COVID. Yeah. Like anyone that we've had to RIP, like it just never had to be because of COVID. Oh, it's I'm going to cry. I don't want to (laughs) cry. Yeah, he's up there with pops, you know. Yeah. Living in Friday heaven. And so <laughs> I really wanted to make sure we gave him a shout out because he did just recently die. Uh, less than yeah. a month on the day that we're recording this. And it's just, he will be And missed. he played a perfect president. He played a perfect president. He like, did. I honestly, at the age of 10, I felt safe in his hands. <laughs> as, well, a, as a as my imaginary president i was like no this makes sense like they <laughs> well miss dallas natural. didn't she didn't vote for him she thinks he's an idiot like you know <laughs> she did not feel safe in his hands like all state no. like he like she <laughs> legit hated him but we love tiny he won't show up on the show again i just wanted to make sure that we r.i.p'd him because he did of course recently passed and it was just kind of sad that is so sad. Yeah, I can't like believe. He's like the only like person as we a lead person. Because sixty two is way too young. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Sixty two yeah. is way too young. That's my mother is sixty. Oh, but uh, <laughs> Bilbo Baggins he died last year too. Yes, he did. Yeah. I know. June nineteenth, twenty twenty. He was eighty eight. I don't. I think he just died because he was old. I don't remember if it was because mm-hmm. of the no. virus. Um, no, not at all. He he passed away because he was just. It was time for him to go. Yeah. So 2020, we lost some Fifth Element people. Kind of sad. Yeah, which makes it almost impossible for him to. Like uh, another one. But cancer, cancer is a sneaky little bitch. If I could, I would take cancer outside and I'd fight that bitch. I would. Me and I her, don't doubt it, my friend. Me and her I need don't to doubt fucking, it. we need to have it out because that bitch would be taking too many people. Yeah. I'm done. I think. Okay, so are you ready? Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, please. I'm so ready for this. Here we go. It's time for Z for the people. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So for this, (laughs) I want to praise you, baby. (laughs) So this Z for the people comes straight from Z to the people. So as we record this, it is January 6th. And uh, today we just had a, a crazy ass fucking day in America where our capital was being stormed by people and people have been shot and killed. It feels like this world is not going to last long, especially this country. So my Z for the people would literally be that you donate your kindness. I have no charity to to peddle to you guys. I just want you to be kind to each other because we are all scared. We are all unhappy. No matter how anything has laid out, we're all scared and unhappy. And the thing that we all need more is love and kindness. So if you could pass that on to someone that you don't know, especially someone from another race other other than yours, It will go a long way. It truly, truly will. All you have to do is hold a door open for an old person. 
you know, wear a mask and don't complain. Make extra bread and give them to your neighbor. Any kind gesture to anybody that is not related to you would go a fucking long way. And that's all my Z for the people is, is be kind to each other. Because I don't know how much longer we're all going to be here. I don't know how longer this quarantine, this virus, these cults, these crazies, these guns, this violence is going to continue on, which seems like it will continue on for the rest of our lives. But the only thing that can fight this is love and kindness. And I just pray and I beg you to pass that on because that's the only thing that I can I can even say today. It's just we need more love and we need more kindness and we need less hate. We need more understanding from people. We need more compassion for the people, especially now since most of us don't have jobs or money or anything. This is not the time for us to be selfish. It's the time for us to give. And that's that's all I got. Girl, I hear you, and that's real. No, I completely agree. You heard her, folks. And she is speaking it true. Just give some I kindness. Can't, like, honestly, just give each other kindness. Like, remember now more than ever that we can't just, like, separate and pull away and fight against each other. And, like, why does, why is there so much hate out there? I just can't handle all the hate that's out there right now. Like, stop it. And I don't understand someone that doesn't want to meet somebody and enjoy a healthy beautiful experience instead of just like just having so much hate and anger towards one another. I just don't get it. We are all in this together. And that's my Z for the people. This country sucks dick and not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my Z for the people. We fucking made it y'all. We fucking made it. I can't, we haven't even made it through this day. I have no idea what's happening right now. It's freaking yeah, me out. I know. We fucking did it <laughs> we made it we made it i love you we did it and I jen we made it on a night of jen i mean i didn't cry i didn't mumble some lines i i cried a little i held it together for my z for the people i thought i was gonna be your z for the people i started to cry you got I me I have nothing but mad respect for the fact that we can use this platform to say how we really feel and put it out there I know how brilliant my friends are. I know how well-educated and I know how well-informed they are. And if anyone had any questions and I vice versa, when I have questions, I ask to know what's going on. So I know that everyone I know knows what's going on right now. And I just collectively, we're all very tense because the democracy that is this country by storming the fucking, that's white terrorism. And it was fucking stupid. It's pretty scary. So that is our episode we made it thank you for drinking with me thank you thank for you for movie. drinking with me um next week our movie and we are gonna have two guests popping up in next week's episode but we will be doing one of the great movies hook the greatest ah! hook, hook, give hook, us a hook hook, 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 hook give us a hook, hook. <laughs> Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. Rufio. Yeah, so we're going to be hooking it up with some fucking people. With some amazing guests. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I have no clue what we're drinking, but I better think about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks for listening to us at Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Obviously, you know where to find us, but if you were looking for other venues, go ahead and check out Pandora. We're all over. Anywhere you want to listen to a podcast, Spotify, you can check us out. Totally check out our Instagram, uh, Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. We're having a lot of fun asking out questions. Give us some recommendations, y'all. Uh, and we've been getting some fun stories, so I'm sure that uh, we want to hear from you. We do. Send us an email at Lights, Camera, Cocktail, no S. Get the S out of here. At gmail.com to send us some fun antidotes or any recommendations. There's so many good movies. I, uh, uh, anyways, wait, I got off track. I'm so drunk. Gin is real. It's gin is real. It sneaks up. Mm-hmm. It's fun though. Like I feel giggly. Like I can't wait to giggle with you. Like I'm like really gypsy and I wish that you were here and I could like smother you with I, my like love. I love, you. I love you. Yeah. So check us out. So <laughs> we made it. I love you. I love you. Happy happy new year. Happy everyone. new year, everyone. Fresh start. Let's do this. Let's, Let's do uh this. Stay connected. Stay connected. Well, everybody, this is another episode. <laughs> You're done with your drink. <laughs> she got sad that her drink was empty, you guys. <laughs> I just saw it on her face. <laughs> this is real. Well, that's another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. If you want something done, Do yourself!